The Score Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by The Score Bet. That's right. We brought you the best sports media app. Now we're bringing you the best sportsbook and casino now live in Ontario, Canada. The Score Bet offers a safe and secure mobile sportsbook experience with both pregame and in-play markets. But best of all, it's integrated into The Score and our content to give you the easiest and most seamless sports betting experience. Download now on iOS and Android. Available in Ontario only. Must be 19 years of age or older to participate. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Always appreciate you spending some of your day with us as we continue to creep closer to the NFL season here. we got mini camps going on around the league right now. We're getting the usual trickle of news coming out of those. Nothing really too impactful that I've seen so far. Just kind of little items here and there that I'm keeping an eye on. We'll see what comes out out of those practices over the next week or so, but Real football, not far away here, about six weeks away from training camps. We're around two months away from the Hall of Fame game, the start of the preseason, and then around three months away from kickoff of the regular season, which means this is a nice time of year where we could spend a little more time deep diving into how we expect the fantasy season to play out. We're not forced to just react to all the nonstop breaking news that comes out. That's later in the summer. That's throughout the fall. We'll be living that life. But for now, we can kind of go a little more in depth on some of this stuff. So I've kind of chosen early June, the last couple of years as the time to have my buddy Derek Brown on or Debro, as many of you know, him, one of the top analysts over at fantasy pros. Now I've brought him on each of the last three years to talk about our must-have players, the guys that we can't leave drafts without this season. So let's get him in here. Mr. Derek Brown, he's on Twitter, at Debro underscore FFB, a great analyst, also happens to be one of my favorite people in the industry. Debro, what is up, buddy? How you been, man? Boone, what's up, dude? Uh, This has been uh, a yearly tradition, and I'm glad to run it back this year, man. Different different place, I'm uh, pumping out content this time around, but... Same players and same. I know we're going to be hand-holding. We have not compared (laughs) player lists. I know there's going to be some overlap because it happens every year. Um, I'm I'm going to sit here and give you the hat tip, and I'm just going to say, look, I'm following your sharp analysis, so I guess that's why we're hand-holding. But happy to be back. Absolutely elated to talk about all these players that I will not be leaving drafts without. Well, we joked before the show that worst case scenario, we come out of this with four players, one at each position that you and I both feel really (laughs) strongly about total, but it could be as many as eight. It could be even more. Last year, we ended up with even more than eight after we talked it all through. And I will say this must have players episode tends to be one of our most listened to shows each year. So I'm really glad that we're able to do it again this season. And this time around this year, we don't even really have any news to talk about off the top. So I want to dive right in and go position by position. We'll kick it back and forth and tossing out these players that we're trying the hardest to get in as many drafts as possible this year. So why don't you kick things off? Let's see if your quarterback is the same as my quarterback. (laughs) Who is your must-have QB in this year's drafts? Oh, I was on this train last year. I've already got my ticket punched. I'm ready. Oh, no, I already know it's going to be the same. (laughs) (laughs) 
We're getting beautiful camp reports already coming out about how my man is balling out. He's getting freaky in the open field. Jalen Hurts, come on down. Must have for this year. Back in it again. And a lot of this, Boone, and I'm not being hyperbolic about this, but on the hot take episode uh, for Fantasy Pros, I threw this out there. I'm going to mention this here. I think Jalen Hurts not only has a crazy high floor, but his ceiling is to put up something like Lamar Jackson's 2019 numbers. And I, I get it. I I get it. Like, yeah, okay, MVP type of season. Uh, that's It is range of outcomes. He was the QB6 in fantasy points per game before he got hurt last year, pacing towards almost 1,000 rushing yards. After the injury, his rushing fell off to less than 30 yards a game where I think we see the big bump, and it's going to take him from the QB 5-6 range into the top, possibly, is what we could see through the air, Boone. Like, weeks 1 through 7 last year, Jalen Hurts was averaging 245 passing yards per game. That's put him on a pace for almost 4,200 yards. And now we're talking about he gets A.J. Brown. Devonta Smith is entering his second year in the league. And if you look at Matt Harmon's amazing work over reception perception, Devonta Smith was amazing last year. Dallas Goddard is also hyper-efficient. He's near the top of every single efficiency metric that you look at for tight ends. And we got regression here, Boone. Like Jalen Hurts last year amongst 33 quarterbacks with 200 or more passing attempts, 23rd and passing touchdown rate. That comes up, we get the rushing, and we get a faster-paced, more higher-passing offense like the Eagles tried to do last year and just didn't have the weapons for, which I think we get. Philly needs to understand, and they need to find out what they have in Jalen Hurts. And the only way to do that is to not go run-heavy, is to dial up the passing numbers and saying, look, you're either going to be the guy or you're not, but we got to find out, and I lean that he is going to be the guy, and he's going to have a fantastic season. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. I I have him up at QB7, and I think like you're saying, he's got QB1 upside, absolutely. I don't think that he's ever going to be an elite passer, but kind of as you outlined, Mm -hmm. he doesn't have to be. He just has to be a little bit better in that category, and then you combine that with the rushing stats, and he's going to be right up there in the top five conversation. So I absolutely love that one. And shockingly, it is not the player, even though the way you introed it there made me think it was going to be. It is not the same player I think I know where you're going. I am going to go with Trey Lance. And yes, that's peeps for exactly. Yep. Everybody who follows me knows I'm a huge Lance supporter. And you mentioned last year, and that's what made me think it was the same guy. Because last year, I was just waiting patiently for him to be given the starting job at some point. It didn't happen, though. We did get a couple of glimpses of him when Jimmy G got hurt. Lance played at least 50% of the snaps in three different games last year. He started two of them. And he averaged over 18 fantasy points per contest in those outings. Finishes a top 13 fantasy QB and weekly scoring twice during those three games. And when I look at it, I mean, after last year's failure to launch, I have tried to keep my expectations in check, D-Bro. I was, you know, even in January, I was 99% sure that Lance is going to be the week one starter entering his second year. But I tried to keep his ranking kind of down a little bit more in that fringe QB1 area. Just leaving the door open in case Kyle Shanahan did it again, pulled a a silly trick on us and maybe gave the job back to Garoppolo. But really, if Jimmy G didn't have the shoulder surgery, he wouldn't even be on the 49ers right now. He would have been traded back in March. So now the team has to wait for him to be healthy just so that they can get something for him in a deal. Either way, Garoppolo is not on the field. He's not with the team during OTAs. Lance has been impressing, not just in practice, but in interviews 
as the team leader. This is his franchise now, and it better be after they traded all that draft capital to get him last year. I will say it's not going to be perfect. He's going to make mistakes. I'm expecting more of the Josh Allen style trajectory, and we'll see if he can get to the same highs as Josh Allen. I know that is a very lofty comparison with where Allen is now, but I think that Lance is going to use that rushing ability to find success early on. And during that time, he's going to continue to work on his touch and other aspects of his game. But he's even more of a rushing threat than Allen was coming out. Lance has the big arm to go with the dual threat ability. And if he can develop his accuracy and the touch on his passes in some of the same ways that we did see Allen do that in his first couple seasons, we could be talking about Lance being one of the the best fantasy quarterbacks in the league because we know the offense around him is solid. There's some questions on the line, but the skill position talent, some of the best out there. Debo looking likely to stick around now. He showed up to OTAs. Hopefully they can get that contract done soon. Plus, you have Brandon Ayuk, who he really, he could be a wide receiver one in his own right if he got the volume and if Debo wasn't there. George Kittle, the best all-round tight end in the game. And now a deep backfield. You got a game breaker in Elijah Mitchell that we saw last year, and you add to that a strong number two now in rookie Ty Davis Price. You combine all that in a Shanahan system, the ceiling is just immense here. It's kind of similar to Hertz, even though I think Lance is a better player overall. And I don't think that Lance is, I don't think he's the same player as Robert Griffin was, but in a Shanahan offense, Griffin being that dual threat kind of guy, he was a top five fantasy quarterback in fantasy points per game in his first season as the starter. That was way back in Washington, obviously way back in the day, a long time ago now. I won't be shocked if we see something similar happen here. So I have Lance up inside my top 10 fantasy quarterbacks. I think you can make an argument for him being as high as seven or eight. And if everything Mm -hmm. goes well, we might see him finish even higher. We've seen breakouts in the last five years or so. Dual threat guys like Lamar Jackson and like Josh Allen, who I mentioned, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, you know, last year, Mm -hmm. I think you could call that Jalen Hurts' breakout. So Lance is next on that list in my mind, and he's going off the board in the eighth, ninth round. He has been by far my favorite quarterback to target. I I love the Lance call, and I'm with you. I've got him at QB 12 right now, and that's only because, I mean, honestly, he's in a great tier, and I'm with you, Boone. Like, you could make a a case for for Lance starting. I think you could make a case for Lance starting somewhere in the 6-7 range. Like, I have Burrow and Brady in those ranges, but with Lance's rushing upside— I, I like the comparison that you made, and I'll throw another one out there. I Because the way that Lance runs the ball, I don't think is on the same level as a Kyler Murray, Lamar, or things like that. I, I liken his rushing ability a little bit more to a little bit more of a muted version of Cam Newton. And if that's the case, he could pile up rushing touchdowns. Like, And we've seen the parts or pieces of this offense. Like I was talking about the efficiency of the pieces around Jalen Hurts and how that can elevate him. If you look at efficiency metrics for George Kittle and Debo Samuel, they are absolutely up there. And the addition of Ty Davis Price is going to be great that if we see Debo play wide receiver for a full season and know these rushing attempts, and I know that hurts us in fantasy if you love Debo, but it helps Trey Lance that he's going to be out there playing more wide receiver, thus maybe some more passing touchdowns and not Debo rushing touchdowns. These weapons that are around Lance can also help elevate him. Because Debo is one of the most efficient wide receivers in the NFL. George Kittle was one of the most, if not, you can make a case that George Kittle is the most efficient tight end in the NFL. He would be, hands down, the number one best tight end in the NFL if he got the same type of volume 
that Travis Kelsey got on a weekly basis and he was healthy all the time. So I, I love the call. I really, really do. I think that Trey Lance talked about league winning upside where Jalen Hurts. Trey Lance has that same type of upside. Yeah, and that's what you want to aim for. Like if you're gonna yeah. avoid the the top top quarterbacks, and which I normally do, I normally don't want to spend up on as much as I love Josh Allen and Herbert and you know Lamar, some of those guys. They're going in the top four or five rounds. I'm not going to spend up on those guys. I'm going to wait a bit. I'm going to target a Jalen Hurts, a Trey Lance, someone like that. Try to get the the next Josh Allen. Try to get the next Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Don't go out and, and spend up for those guys. Use that high draft capital on running backs and, and receivers and some of the other big positions. All right, let's keep moving here. Who is your must-have at running back? <sighs> I understand that he's missed time with injuries, and I understand people have been burned. And no, I'm not talking about Christian McCaffrey. Saquon Barkley is just being slept on this year. People are tired of it. And the the bias is so real. Like you can get Saquon Barkley third, fourth round of drafts. It's crazy. I know it sounds insane, but some people are just like, "Uh -uh, I'm out. I'm done. Forget it. Barkley is on a contract year. And if you think that he doesn't want to try to push and try to get every single cent and prove people wrong, you're absolutely crazy. I think Barkley is in a great, great position this year in the sense that we're going to see a more effective Barkley. I think that he was dealing with injuries and trying to gut it out last year in a broken offense behind a broken offensive line that was legit bottom three in every metric that I care about. And now... There's, there's there's talk that they're going to go back to more zone running scheme because that dropped last year. 50% zone attempts, they're going to get back to hopefully the 62% range when we saw him top 10 in yards after contact per attempt in 2018 and 2019. Plus, you add in the fact that the offensive line that he is going to run behind could quietly be a top 10 run blocking line. And I know people could say that's crazy. Andrew Thomas is good. You have the addition of Evan Neal to the draft, and they signed John Feliciano and Mark Glonewski. You look at Feliciano, he struggled last year, but if you go back to 2020, 13th best run blocking guard per PFF, 9th best in zone blocking, and Glonewski, or Glowinski, I keep messing up his name, was 18th best in zone run blocking last year. So another top 20 addition in what the Giants want to do with their ground game. So I I understand that Barkley's burn us. I I understand that. I get it. But people need to understand that this offensive design is changing. We are also getting reports out of camp. They're lining up Barkley everywhere. And Daniel Jones, while they want him to be uh, aggressive and attack downfield, the other part of it is, is that If they're smart, they're also going to dial up screens and they're going to get Barkley to give him some easy completions and just let Barkley do what he does. Put the ball in his hands and let the man go. So give me as much sake on Barkley as I possibly can get. I think that he can revisit. He's only 25, Boone. He can revisit those top that, that top three type of ceiling we've seen before with him. Give me all the Saquon Barkley I could possibly get my hands on. Like Dynasty this year, if I got a win now squad, I want him. Redraft, best ball, give me that action. And something else to to help your cause. On the last episode, we had Edwin Porras on, uh, the injury expert, and he talked about Barkley as a guy that he really wants to buy in on this year, that he's a little further removed from the big injuries and that, like you outlined, mm-hmm. that he wasn't completely healthy necessarily last year and there was a high risk of re-injury and him maybe not being 
uh, back to his usual form and that this season he's going to have a much better chance. And I think we're hearing that already. Like it's a lot of off season hype stuff, but I think between now and the the start of the season, we're going to hear even more about how Barkley looks great. And really for me, I have a lot of faith in Brian Dable coming over from the Bills. I think that offense is going to be much better this year. So it's just a matter of taking shots on players in that offense. Barkley, of course, the most expensive of those options, but still a guy that, like you outlined, has that kind of top five upside if everything comes back together and if he's healthy. So I really like that one. I have a guy who also got hurt late last season, um, and I think people might be overlooking his upside a little bit because that, and it's DeAndre Swift. And he's not going to come cheap. You're going to have to pay up for him. His ADP right now has him going in the second round around pick 17 or so. I have him ranked as a late first round value. And this is another one where talent and situation, it's all coming together for him. We already saw him break out last year. He just had those injuries, like I mentioned, that caused him to miss some time, specifically during the fantasy playoffs. And you often see this when players aren't available in the fantasy playoffs. They aren't helping people win titles. It kind of bumps them down a little more in people's eyes. They're not kind of, you know, top of mind when the next season's drafts come around. So people don't have those, you know, really fond late season memories of him. But the big games were there on the season. He was the RB12 in average fantasy points per game in half PPR leagues. He was the RB10 in full PPR, but he got hurt in week 12. And then when he came back the last couple of games, I think they went easy on him early in the season. He was up over 70% of the snaps. Most games in those final two contests, after he returned from injury, he was down around 50% or so. There's really just no reason to push him coming off the injury in those meaningless games. But if we knock off those last couple of games at the end of the season, after he got hurt, we just look at week one, to week 11 before he got banged up. He was the RB9 in fantasy points per game and half PPR. It was the RB7 in full PPR. And during those first 10 games, he was averaging 5.3 receptions per contest, which is a 90 catch pace over a full season. If you're worried about Jamal Williams, I know some people are because Williams missed time early last season. I will tell you this. There were four games out of those first 10 where Williams and Swift were together and they were healthy playing at the same time. Swift was on the field for over 70% of the line snaps in those contests. Williams was on the field for around 30%. And in those games, Swift had fantasy point totals of 22.4, 17.7, 28.4, and 22.6, which worked out to weekly finishes of RB10, RB15, RB2, and RB5. Not to mention the fact that I think the Lions are going to be better this season as a whole. I like what we saw from their coaching staff last year. Their offensive line, top 10, if not top five in the league, in my opinion. They're getting TJ Hawkinson back, who missed some time late last year. Their receiving core should be better. They added DJ Shark. They're going to have first-rounder Jamison Williams joining the mix at some point here once he's healthy. So the Lions are going to be competitive. Swift is really about to become a household name, I think. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I think he's another guy that has that top five upside. Could even be the number one running back overall at the end of the season. I don't project that that's going to happen, but it's just within his range of outcomes, given that skill set, given that massive receiving upside that he brings. So even if you do have to pay up for him in the second round or so, I'm more than willing to do that. I love that call. Uh, I think DeAndre Swift could be this year's Austin Eckler in the sense that he garners so much passing work and the touchdowns, because the Lions were bottom five in red zone scoring attempts per game. I'm with you. I think this offense is going to be much improved, especially if we see Jamison Williams 
healthy, at least for at least half the season, Boone. They're going to have the ability to stretch the field. I know Jared Goff is not great at throwing deep, but he doesn't have to be great. Jamison Williams can be great enough for him. So I love that call, man. I, th- I think that DeAndre Swift, in a lot of different event efficiency metrics, he pops. Jamal Williams, uh, I love how you broke it down because, yeah, the more we saw last year the, as the season wore on, he was less and less of a, a factor there, and he wasn't cutting into the red zone work. That was all Swift's baby. So we want touchdowns. We want pass game usage to really give those running backs a, just a ridiculous top five, top three type of ceiling, and Swift has all of those things in his range of outcomes. And we want all these guys that we're talking about today to stay healthy for the whole season. We want every player to stay healthy for the whole season, but specifically Barkley and Swift. If those guys stay healthy, I think it's almost guaranteed that they're going to be up in the top 10 and and maybe even higher this year. All right, let's keep moving. Who do you got for receiver? Okay, I know we have, we're supposed to whittle this down to one player. I I get that. Um, I'm going to kibosh it just a little bit because (laughs) I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, Boone. I love both of these wide receivers so much that I could not just take one of them out of the queue. I couldn't, man. So uh, two names I'm going to bring up here. Cortland Sutton is going to smash this year, as well as Rashad Bateman is going, you're talking about household names. People are going to find out this season who Rashad Bateman is. So starting with Sutton, I think that he was on track to be one of the NFL's elite talents at the wide receiver position. Going back to 2019 in that breakout season, he was top 12 in yards per outrun, top 7 in yards per outrun on deep targets. And then you see 2020, he gets hurt. 2021, he deals with the poo-poo platter of quarterbacks that they had back there that could not get him an effective ball to catch. And this year, he gets Russell Wilson. So it talked about the efficiency, talked about the deep efficiency. Both of those things marry extremely well with Russell Wilson. And Rashad Bateman, people, look, I understand that Baltimore wants to run the ball. That's fine. They wanted to run the ball last year, and I understand they passed a little bit more than people thought. We're still talking about an elite-level prospect, and and I'm not being hyperbolic in saying that. He was an elite-level prospect. Early career production coming out of college. He was hurt to start last year, and yet, in 50% of his games, he still managed top 36 wide receiver performances when he didn't even get an 80% snap share until week 15. Now, you go ahead over, and I brought, I brought up Matt Harmon's work a little bit earlier. You look at how he stacks up in reception perception, 85th percentile against zone, 81st against press and man, and now we're talking about a role where Marquise Brown was the wide receiver 21 last year, had the 12th highest target share amongst all wide receivers, and I think Bateman is a more talented wide receiver that can command more volume. You look at size, you look at skill sets, he can play outside, inside. He is a more well-rounded receiver than Marquise Brown. And this is not me tossing Marquise Brown shade, but if Brown can do that in the context of this offense, Rashad Bateman is getting drafted a lot of different spots outside the top 24, top 28. He's getting drafted as a wide receiver three, sometimes even a late wide receiver three. I have him comfortably ranked inside of my top 24, and I think he still has meat on the bone and upside even at that ranking. So I'm going to have a ton of, of Cortland Sutton and Rashad Bateman. I'll reach on them in drafts. I think the upside is absolutely real. 
I'm with you. I bought them both inside my top 24 as well. And I think one of the the common themes really across all these players, but especially at receiver here that you were touching on is these changing situations. We're trying to get out ahead of these things. We're trying to project what's going to be different this year. We're not just looking back at last season and going off of that. We're trying to find the values by figuring out what's going to be different. And I think a guy for me, I have Mike Williams as my must-have receiver here. And oh, underdog ADP. Well, underdog ADP tends to be a little more predictive, and I think mm-hmm. they have him kind of in the right spot because they have him at wide receiver 13, and he's going off the board in around, I think it's round three or so. Other sites, ADP has him outside of the top 20 wide receivers. Fantasy Pro's ECR right now, he's wide receiver 22 and half PPR. I have him ranked as my wide receiver 12, and I don't think that should be that surprising. I know you some know people. Where I have it, Boone? Oh, even higher. You're going to tell me. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I, he's in the same tier of wide receiver. I have him at wide receiver 14, my friend. He's okay. in the same tier as A.J. Brown, Michael Pittman, and he's right behind Cortland Sutton, who I have as wide receiver 13. I, I love this call. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, love no, this. I will say that, you know, the guys you're talking about, Sutton, you outline why we think it's going to be different for him having Russell Wilson there this year, Rashad Bateman, obviously the opportunities opening up for him. Williams already did this last year in fantasy points per game last year. Williams was the wide receiver 14 in full PPR. He was the wide receiver 12 in half PPR. And for the record, I mean, that does include me taking out a couple guys, the Christian Wilkerson's and the Cyril Grayson's. Technically, they were in the top 15 in points per game as well, but they didn't appear in enough games to count Wilkerson. It was one game and Grayson, I think it was three. So among the qualified receivers... Williams was a wide receiver one in half PPR leagues on a points per game basis last year. And he was also ahead of his teammate, Keenan Allen, in a half point PPR last season. And it was close. It was 13 points per game to 12.8, but Williams still outperformed him. And I think that's an important thing to note here because that's where I think fantasy managers still look at the situation and they go, Keenan Allen, number one receiver for the Chargers. He's got to be taken above Mike Williams. I don't think that's the case anymore. And the Chargers really, they planned this. Last year in the offseason, Justin Herbert talked about, he told reporters that they need to target Mike Williams more. And then they went out and they did it. And Williams was just a focal point of that offense. Keenan Allen turning 30 this year. It seems like maybe we're seeing a changing of the guard. It seems like, and I think that Keenan Allen's skill set is going to be able to adapt. I think he's going to stay relevant for a while. But I also think that we're starting to see some metrics that are showing that he's beginning the decline phase. His numbers are starting to come down a little bit. Well, Williams, coming off a career year, just signed a new three-year $60 million deal with the team. They're telling us how much they like them. They want to keep that Justin Herbert-Williams connection going, and I am really glad they did. I was a little worried that Mike Williams is going to take the money, going to go out in free agency, end up with another team. No, he gets to stick on this team where I think now they view him as the number one receiver with one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. He's shown that he can produce in this role, could even see some positive TD regression this season, which seems crazy after he had nine touchdowns last year. But your buddy, another friend of the show, Andrew Erickson, he tweeted out recently that Williams was sixth in end zone targets last year, but he only scored on five of them. And yeah, touchdowns can be pretty volatile, but we've seen Williams have double digit touchdown seasons before. I project that it could happen again in 2022. I love the situation for him. I love that the Chargers are committed to him. I think now, like I said, he has one of the best young quarterbacks in the league throwing him the ball. 
I don't think enough fantasy managers have come around to the new reality for Williams here, which is that he definitely could be a top 12 fantasy receiver this season as long as he stays healthy. And that's the only thing that scares me because he still makes some of those wild catches where he falls really awkwardly. And I am scared that he's going to get hurt, but that's not a reason not to draft him. He definitely can produce. And I think he's going to have another great year. (laughs) We talked about handholding Boone, like. Twitter did not like this the other day when I put this into the space, and I'm absolutely with you because when I was diving through ranks again, refreshing things, I am absolutely with you. I think Mike Williams takes over as the number one wide receiver for the Chargers, and I don't think it's a hot take. I think this is how we should be viewing this team because I'm with you. Keenan Allen's yards per run have dropped in each of the last four seasons. And again, not saying you need to go just dig a hole and bury him in the fantasy graveyard. I'm not saying that at all. But I think that if we're looking at a changing of the guard and signals that we need to sit here and, and focus on that can forecast, because if you're waiting to see it, you're too late. So I think that with everything we see, both on paper, because Mike Williams is an incredibly efficient wide receiver, and this is not even like to begin the few first weeks of the season when he was a top five, top six wide receiver. The entirety of the season, top 20 against man coverage in yards per route run, top 20 overall in yards per route run. These metrics are real. He's in a top five scoring offense, and he's paired with a wide receiver that, yes, is really solid, is going to be good, But Keenan Allen is unfortunately slowing down, and this is not me throwing shade at the man. I love Keenan Allen. I've been a big proponent of his game for a long time. But as far as the player that I think has the ultimate upside in this offense, hands down, Big Mike Williams. All right. Well, we shockingly have not ended up on the same guy yet, which is very surprising to me. But uh, let's see if it happens at tight end here. We'll finish off at that position. Who do you want to champion as your must-have tight end this year? Okay, so I know it's not going to be, I I could give you a late round guy, but I'm going to go with a guy that I think legitimately has top three type of upside. He could be this year's version of Mark Andrews and the type of volume and the explosiveness that we see because the other context of pieces in his offense are going to possibly allow him to ascend to that type of level. And it's Dalton Schultz. We know that the Cowboys are going to run a ton of plays. They're going to be top five to 10 in passing rate and pace, and the play volume is going to be immaculate. Dak Prescott is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, regardless of whatever efficiency metric you slice up. Now we're talking about a passing target tree where it's CeeDee Lamb, James Washington, Jalen Tolbert. Uh, One's a field stretcher. It's never really been much of anything. Two is a rookie that I love a lot, but it's still rookie coming into this passing attack. And Michael Gallup, who we don't even know if he's going to start the season healthy, much less. And again, this is going to sound like I'm hating on the player. I'm not. But if you look at Michael Gallup's efficiency in three of the four seasons, his last four seasons, he has been just a guy. Yards per route run outside of his big breakout year, he's been sub 1.4, which I understand a lot of people might know the context with that, but that's it's not great, people. Like that's that's not even close to being good, much less elite. So I think that there is a really, really easy path, both with injuries and the other targets around him, where Dalton Schultz can compete weekly for the target lead on this team with CeeDee Lamb. I think that he was ten, he was tied in five last year, Boone. And now I'm talking he could get more, even more target volume. He was efficient. He was 11th in yards per route run. He was also 13th in target share and red zone targets last year. 
if he gets more opportunity, both of those numbers are going to go up as well. Legitimately, you're drafting Dalton Schultz, and I see him go in best ball drafts and a few other formats incredibly too late in Dynasty because he's only on the franchise tag. But even in best ball formats, you're able to get him outside of even that kind of middle round. Like, he'll he'll drop to, like, the 6th, 7th round. He'll go as the tight end 7 or 8, and people will take people like TJ Hawkinson and other players like that. I think Dalton Schultz, if I'm going to hang my hat on a player that had a really good season, and I understand tight end five last year, I'm not making that big of a stretch, but really could step into one of those difference-making, league-winning types like we saw Mark Andrews do last year, I think all the different parts of pieces are set up for Dalton Schultz to smash. I should have known that's who you're going to say. I've seen you tweet about him before. I should have anticipated <laughs> that one. It is not the same one that I have, even though I like that call a lot. As long as he gets the contract stuff sorted, as long as he shows up to the team and there isn't any sort of holdout, which we don't anticipate. Normally now they get these things figured out. He'll be out there. He's definitely going to have a big season. I have some doubts about whether I think he can get up there in the elite just because I don't think there's many guys that have a chance to be up there with the the true elite tight ends. But looking at him as a, a top five type of guy, maybe even a little better if there's a couple injuries, I'm right with you on that one. I would say this year I am going to go a little deeper for mine. So the degree of difficulty will be cranked up. And I'll, I'll say, I mean, when it comes to tight end for me, I've talked about this many times on the show. If I don't get one of the elite guys, if I don't get Kelsey or Andrews, who I have near the top this year, you know, you have Kyle Pitts kind of the next one after that. If he falls a little bit, I would grab him. Kittle and Waller, I'm a little worried about their situations changing and them maybe not seeing as much volume as they've seen in the past. They still have the talent to be the elite tight ends, but I just don't know if the volume is going to allow them to do that. I'm not so sure about that. And then after that, it becomes a pretty big question mark. And I do, like I said, I like Schultz a lot. I think there's guys like... Dallas Goddard and Mike Gusecki, who are going to have a bunch of target competition. I don't know that they're really going to have a chance to really challenge up near the top. So they're really, to me, after those really high-end guys, there really isn't anybody with a, a flawless fantasy profile at that point. So it's kind of wide open. And that's why if I don't get one of the top guys, I really like grabbing Cole Komet late. And oh, I just, the upside with him, really, really intriguing. And this is another one where I don't know if people realize what he did last year and what last season could have been for him. He had 60 receptions last year. That was tied for 12th among tight ends. He had 612 yards. That was 11th among tight ends. Somehow, no touchdowns. And part of that was because the Bears, they just kept forcing the ball to Jimmy Graham in the red zone. I don't know why. If we give Komet even five touchdowns, which is what guys around him like Tyler Higby and CJ Uzoma, that's what those guys had. Komet would have been in the mix as a top 12 tight end at that point. Fortunately, now you got Graham out of the picture. Allen Robinson gone now. And the Bears, we know they didn't really address the receiver position. Unless you are in love with Byron Pringle or Vilas Jones or Dante <laughs> Pettis or Equinemius St. Brown, maybe one of those guys pops up, but I don't project big volume for any of them. So what we're left with is this pass-catching core that's really Darnell Mooney, who I think is going to see a ton of volume. I think he's going to have a great year. And then Komet. And I said this before, but if you don't get one of those elite options, if you're looking at a late round guy, I want to try to find somebody who could be the de facto number one or number two pass catcher in their offense from the tight end position. And it's not hard to envision Komet as sort of the de facto number two receiver in Chicago, which would likely result in an uptick in targets. Plus, we're talking about a guy who has been in the league for a couple of years. He just turned 23. He is so young 
And we know some tight ends take a little bit of time to find their game in the pros. So Komet is somebody who is set up for major volume. And if he gets the touchdowns going a little bit, we could really see him jump up the fantasy ranks this season. I think he's a strong bet to be in the top 12 fantasy tight ends. I think we could even see him get up into that sort of mid tight end one range by season's end. I really think the target share is going to put him up there. I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, Boone, where do you have Cole Komet ranked right now? Because I'm wondering <laughs> if we're hand-holding again. I had a, he's ranked as a low-end tight end one. I don't remember the exact spot. I don't have it in front of me right now, but he's somewhere between 10 and 12. I think maybe 11. Uh-huh. I have him at tight end nine. I, nice. I'm right with you. Right with you on this one. And I, I, I love the part that you brought up as... Here's the thing. If he scored any touchdowns last year, people would not be sleeping on him. They wouldn't be drafting him as a mid-tight end, too. Exactly. The the most stable thing that we can project year to year is volume. And the touchdown volatility is, okay, whatever. We don't know if the guys are going to score lots of touchdowns or not. You can say, okay, he's in a good offensive environment. But what we can project is volume. And I'm going to throw this out there because I'm not going to say that he he is going to reach this level. But... From a volume standpoint, Boone, since 2018, the tight end five, outside of Robert Tunyon's ridiculous like 59 target and 11 touchdown season, outside of that, the tight end five has averaged 107 targets per season. Cole Komet was almost like scraping 100 in a part-time role, not even a part-time role, like basically competing with Jimmy Graham for targets, both in the red zone and just overall target volume on a weekly basis. Now the Bears are going to throw to him and Darnell Mooney. I think he's a lock for 100-plus targets. I really do. He almost hit that last year. There's nothing to stop him from going above that. So if I'm talking about if the target volume is there, if the touchdown regression hits in a big way, he could get close to the top five, Boone. Like, is, do you think that's crazy? Like, I think it's an easy path for that. Well, I, I hate ranking tight ends after you get outside of those elite yeah. guys because touchdowns, it has such a, a big impact. The Agreed. volatility at tight end, whenever I was in the accuracy competition, I hated ranking tight ends so much. So, yes, anything is possible. Outside of the top three, I would say, nothing would really mm-hmm. shock me at tight end. And a guy like Komet... If you're just going to chase the volume and hope that he can get up there in that range, all you need is a few touchdowns to get him up there at that point. Yep, I agree. And I mean, that's where if you're going to wait on tight ends, I want these guys that have projectable, like you can squint and tell yourself a story. Okay, how do they possibly get to 90 90 targets, 80 to 90 targets. Because here's the thing. If you can't squint and make up a scenario that's that's reasonable, where a tight end can get in the 80 to 90 target range, you're probably looking at a tight end that unless they just do something stupid like Robert Tunyon did and score double-digit touchdowns, which good luck projecting those, unless you can squint and make that type of volume case, you're looking at guys where it's fool's gold. They're not going to probably end up inside that top 12 because that's the volume that you need to really propel yourself unless we see a touchdown outlier. So I, I love if you're taking those late shots. Cole Komet is fantastic. He's in a group of three guys. There's Cole Komet, there's David Njoku, and Irv Smith. All guys that I think could reach those type of targets, target threshold, and are in possibly good offenses. And have good touchdown equity. So I love all of those guys, but Komet's definitely near the top of that heap. 
And David Njoku, somebody who Debro has been trying to acquire off me in one of our dynasty leagues. <laughs> and so far, we have not had a trade done yet, but though. we'll like, see. Th- there's if still we're some talking time. about him, like, I'm not going to tell people out there, like, about players that I'm not willing in my own leagues to make a move for and that <clears throat> you don't already have rostered. So we know the <laughs> talent is there, Boone. Well, and I will say one more thing, not that this we need to make this a tight end show, but I've talked before on the show yep. about how in Dynasty, if you don't get one of the elite guys, that I don't really spend up big on tight end and I try Same. to just find these guys later in rookie drafts and off the waiver wire. Guess what? I got David Njoku off the waiver wire last year in that league. He got dropped. It's not a super, super deep league. I think it's 28-man rosters or something like that. Yep. But at one point last year, it looked like maybe it's not going to happen for him. Well, the situation changed, and I went after him just because I always really liked the talent, the athleticism, and I thought that maybe if they got a different quarterback in there, maybe if the offensive system was different, maybe if they didn't have other receivers to throw to, well, things changed, and things look a lot better now for David and Joku. But I'm calling it there, Debro. We have talked long enough. I tried to (laughs) – we didn't have news or anything. I was trying to keep us under 30 minutes, but I know with you and I, we always go long no matter what. So (laughs) – That is all for today's show. Go write those names down. Commit them to memory. After that, go check out Debro's latest work over at Fantasy Pros. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, like I said earlier, at Debro underscore FFB. We always love having him on. He has officially at this point taken the title of most guest appearances on the show. So we might have to get him like a little trophy or a plaque or something for that just to show our appreciation, Debro. Because we can't thank you enough, man, for always making time for us. Anything specific that you want to mention? I mean, I kind of just generally sent people towards Fantasy Pros for you. Anything that you've been working on that you want to hype up uh, before we let you go here? Yeah, man. So uh, been really in the lab, uh, churning out a ton of content. Obviously, the podcast is is first and foremost, but also uh, all my rankings over Fantasy Pros, Dynasty Best Ball, all those different things. Our redraft kit is going to be live uh, later. We're hoping to, to push up the, the launch date. It's going to be live in June. Um, so follow Fantasy Pros, the Twitter account. Look for that. Um, I'm finishing up my final few pieces for that. And the other thing about this is we talked about must-haves. I've already got my, my Players to Target article should be out uh, later this week. A lot of these players that I mentioned on today's show are in that article, as well as a ton more. I think I have almost 15 players in that article that I am specifically targeting in drafts this year. Boone, this has been awesome, man. I love every single time we get to hop on the mics. And it's not just because we see things pretty similarly, man. It's it's always good talk. (laughs) It's always good information for the people. And when people want to just take an hour out of their day to listen to football, to, to let your mind wander and get your mind off of anything else going on. It's always fun times, man. So thank you again for having me. Always a blast. Yeah. Anytime we've been doing this now, I think twice a year for the last several years, and we should probably ramp that up even more. Cause yeah, I would say the exact same. I'd echo all the same sentiments. I love having you on. I love talking to you before the show. We were talking for a while about stuff, about our different leagues and everything. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. I realized I was like, wait a minute, we have to actually record the show at some point here. <laughs> I know I got some questions recently asking if I'll be doing the breakouts and busts and sleepers and everything, all those articles. I will. 
I got the June editions of the redraft rankings and the dynasty trade value charts up earlier this week. Now I'm focusing on that series. So expect all those breakouts, bus, all that stuff to come out over the next couple of weeks. I'll be back next week with another episode, but until then big thanks again. And big thanks as always to D bro. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight.